Hello everyone, my name's Tim. I work in advertising and last year I left my job to start my own thing. It's a comedy ad agency called Gush and there is nothing funny about how royally screwed I feel. Since the virus hit, our work has completely stopped. I mean like, nothing is happening. And I know that's pretty bleak, but and this is gonna sound lame, I believe that when one door closes, another opens. So I'm talking to people in our industry who have created opportunities for themselves despite this situation. The way it's gonna work is as you follow the story of my struggling business and honestly personal life, you'll learn everything I do as I do. All right, last thing. Today's guest is Jeff Greenspan. He was BuzzFeed's first chief creative officer. He worked with Mark Zuckerberg to help launch the Facebook timeline. But the real reason I wanna to talk to him is he does these viral stunts on the side that have gotten tons of free press in publications like the New York Times, ABC News, everywhere. So without further ado, let's hop in and talk to Jeff. So for me, I'm going crazy during this isolation. Like I, I'm just surviving by keeping myself busy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, how's your mood been and what are you doing to survive? Well, thank you for asking that. I'm glad that you're, you're doing okay. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, I'm you're doing, all right. I think I'm doing good given the circumstances, but like I live alone, it can be a lonely situation. And like for me, leave a dog now. Yeah. So for You've... me, the, 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 the three biggest things have been, well, really it's two things. One is pouring myself into work, which you could say is unhealthy, but it distracts me from the situation that we're all in. And then having a dog, having a little companion. Um, yeah. But well, to organize my time, I mean, I, 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 you know, I also live alone in a, in, in a, in a, you know, I'm happy with my apartment. I live in, in, in Brooklyn, but it's 650 square feet. I've been here alone for a long time. Um, and I, I would say that my mental stability uh, waxes and wanes even on a good day. So to, to, to give myself some structure, I created this thing, Quarantine, which is how you and I met, which is I was just offering my time up in 15 to 30-minute chunks to anybody who thought that they could get some help from some of the experiences that I've had, whether it be in advertising, whether it be in comedy. Maybe they just wanted someone to do push-ups with and they just didn't want to be lonely. But I was like, I'm, I'm here and I could be of service to people and, and in a quite – honest, frank way, like it, it satisfied my ego. It makes me feel important. It makes me feel like my 25 years of working weren't just thrown in the trash can. If some other young people feel like making a resume is what is important to do during this pandemic, then I will help them make a better resume. If, if it's redoing their website, then I can give them at least, you know, my opinions on it through my filter. And it's really exploded. I've had people, you know, it got written up in fast company. And so I had people from all over the world, calling and videoing in and i've met some really great people and i've been honored to be play a little bit of part in, in in inspire them to take the next step a lot of people are just stuck and they just needed to get unstuck with an outside push some people just for some reason wanted permission from someone that they deem i don't know worthy of giving permission be like can i do this i'm like of course you can do it because a lot of people especially people who are not in advertising that's the one thing I'll say that you take for granted in this business. If you're in the creative side, even if you're not on the creative side, you're an arm's length from some really talented people. And there are people who don't work in this industry who just want to do a cool project and they have no support system. They'll ask their friend in their bowling league and they'll be like, why the, why the fuck would you do something like that? That's stupid. And they just want to talk to someone who's like, I don't think it's stupid. I think you should make it. And then they get excited. And for the most part, the ideas weren't stupid. Fantastic. So I've been doing that. 
and that's what I did. Um, it seems like they there's people that have built agencies. Really, you know, sometimes it's just them, but like agencies around them getting traction and culture by creating their own content. Casey Neistat is. Oh, yeah. Am I saying that right? He's a great Neistat. example. Casey, Casey Neistat. Yeah. Casey Neistat is yeah. a great example because he was creating his own stuff, and then mm-hmm. you know, bigger and bigger brands came to him. Nike came to him, and then he just did what he normally does, mm-hmm. and and now he essentially is an is an agency and is super successful. So we'll um, talk about. Or am I wrong? <laughs> am I wrong? You're not wrong. It's just I mean I mean uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm. I don't know the full body of Casey's work, but the things that I've seen didn't, they seem like wonderful vehicles for Casey, more for Casey than the brand, you know? And, and to that, I, I hats off to him for punking these brands. I, I it felt to me like a punk. Uh, I guess he's got an agency now. And if he does, that's fantastic. But it didn't seem like he was really, you know, I remember he did something where he spent all the money that, you know, Mercedes gave him and stuff. I'm like, well, I mean, I love the idea. I do think it appeals to people to see someone get one over on the man but if you're packaging and selling that, then isn't that also a commodity then? I mean, <laughs> two, two things. One, I kind of disagree about them not being effective for brands and maybe we just have different examples, mm-hmm. but two, and as somebody who's trying to get his own clients, this is the dumbest thing I could say ever, but I mean it more not, you know, we care about like, you know, building the brand and delivering great work and doing things that are going to help. But maybe for other people, if they're able to make cool shit and brands will pay them for it, um, who cares? You know, it's like, well, I, I, I think that's, and I think th- that question is the, is the reason the foundation is cracked in the industry, because if it's just cool shit, who cares is why we're not really offering anything. If it's just, if it's just, Hey, it's just cool stuff. And the brand's associated with it. And isn't it, I mean, yes, it's wonderful. Just like the church used to decide which musicians got to play and which painters got to paint brands get to decide which artists get to make the big, cool, splashy things, I guess, on some level. But if the industry, if these big, if Martin Sorrells and all these people are supposed to be, we have to be delivering something more than just look at, look, we made some spectacle for you to look at. I mean, but, P.T. But Barnum could even, do that. That's not even cool shit, though. Like, so what I'm, here's my, here's, okay, so Casey Neistat, you, or Casey Neistat, sorry, <laughs> dude. I know you're listening to the podcast and you're a big fan, so sorry. It's Kasi. It's Kasi. It's not Casey. Casilla. No, it's Casey. Oh, it is Casey. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's so stupid because I'm a I'm a fan of his, and I'm saying, oh, isn't he great? And I can't even say his fucking name. That's um, okay. Yeah, yeah, you don't mind, right? No. Um, great. So talking about Casey, you you brought up uh, Mercedes. I you might be thinking about the example I'm thinking about is Nike. So what happened was Nike hit him up and was like, we want you to do something, and he, um, you know, it was going to be very traditional, but he had this idea where he's like. You know, it's for their their new band. It's kind of like a, their own version of a Fitbit. And so, what he ended up doing, which was something they didn't agree with, was putting the Fitbit on and then using all the money he got to make the commercial and just going and having a great time and traveling the world. And what it did was it got it was like one of the most successful things they've ever done. It got so many views, blew up the the wristband was involved in the brand message of like live an active life was absolutely a part of it he was hopping on planes going to multiple places a day sometimes so i think that you know it it depends on the person but if you are approached and you're doing something cool there's a way to integrate it where you're not selling out and you you can um you know you can you could do something cool and you can do something 
that uh, is effective for the brand. And so, you know, in your case, hearing a company called Side Project, that feels like a really good idea. And any brand would be interested in getting, you know, the potential publicity that you get for yourself. And it feels like there's tons of natural brand integration. So we we had a we had a brand. I'm not going to say who they were. Uh, they made a a product, <coughs> and uh, the CEO, the president of the company, and their head of marketing came and had drinks here in the apartment, and they met Andrew Tider and I, and they came because they saw the Snowden statue, and they just loved everything about the Snowden statue, and they said we want a Snowden statue for our product X, and we were like, well, you have to understand, you, you know, it, it was a it was a blanket, uh, and. Uh, uh, we said, well, you have to understand, you know, the Edward Snowden project was about, you know, government surveillance and, and, and uh, invasion of privacy and, and, and you have a blanket. So they, they have a little, it's a little bit of a different, it's not really apples to oranges, uh, but we could get people to care. And so we, we got them to understand that as, as wonderful as you think your product is, nobody really cares. We have to find a way to make them care. And so we spent a lot of time working on a bunch of ideas and we went through two rounds of work and, and they really seemed to enjoy something on the second round. Uh, and we, we thought it was really provocative and, and, and interesting. We thought it had talk value and they, I guess they bought it because they asked us then to move into pricing it for production. At the end, they said, why would we even pay for this when we could just give the money to some influencers? They can hold up the blanket and say how soft and wonderful it is. And, you know, can you compete with 80 million people seeing that for X amount of dollars? You want us to give you X amount of money to make this thing that maybe will, maybe will get attention. And I go, but you sat in my living room and that the snow, we didn't know that the snow instead, we didn't yeah. know. You said you wanted the same process. You said you wanted the same spirit. We did that, but I can't, I'm not a media company. Now that's when Andrew and I started thinking, well, maybe should we, we, should, we should be teaming with media people who could say, okay, now you have that idea. Where are the places we can put it where it can be measured? But inevitably, I've seen this happen in agencies. In trying to make it something measurable, you start making it traditional, and it becomes a spot. I don't. I don't know, man. Because, because I totally agree with the mindset that you should have a like. We have a media person, and I'm the creative, you know, strategy person. And by having both of those, I think you can keep something cool and have it perform well and be measurable. So in your example, I don't know what it was. You're not going to tell me. You're keeping it close to the chest. You're a very moral man. But <laughs> but you had an idea and it was going to be cool. And if they invested the production money in it, you know, maybe you'd have less influencers, but you could still have that huge budget that they have going to, you know, maybe like two-thirds of the amount of influencers. But the thing that they could be sharing isn't some stupid thing like, hey, guys, I'm using this blanket. Shouldn't you use it too? Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, this person did this really cool thing. Or if it was a statue. Oh, yeah. We're, we're totally on board with that. We don't think it's a, a binary thing. It's either or. We wanted – they just didn't have the money for both. So but, it was but like – they weren't <laughs> down to take some money away from the influencer stuff to have something that's cooler? No. Is it better to have – 10,000 people remember you and feel something about you than to have 10 million people see you but forget you. And that's a difficult question because if it, like the way that I'm seeing it, and please tell me if I'm wrong because I'm honestly still figuring it out, is if you have a campaign for either a new business or uh, relaunching you know, a new platform for a business, what's wrong with having the brand message and conversion level 
assets. So what I mean by that is you have this big, cool brand commercial and you throw it up on Facebook, but then coming out of that commercial, you're retargeting people with these harder hitting conversion ads, gifts, you know, promotions, whatever, but it's still within the same look and feel, within the same tone, uh, with the same tagline on it. What's wrong with having a campaign like that that does both? There's there's nothing wrong with that. Just like at a Broadway show, there's nothing wrong with having backing singers and dancers and there's props and there's stage and there's a ton of things that are happening, but some people are the stars and some and some is some aspects of the show is the music. I'm particularly more interested in focusing on the music and the song and dance of the show. I'm I'm not saying it should be done at the exclusion to these other elements. Uh, but I would say that almost all the work has become the other elements. All the other work is, it's just, I don't really, I don't know why these brands would think I would care anything about them other than how much is it and where is it and how can I get it quickly? So then Amazon decides what choices I make then. Uh, How can I get it and how much is it? Am I willing to pay a little bit more for your product? Am I willing to try your new product? Am I willing to be loyal to your product? Am I willing to tell someone about your product? I mean, do I care about your product? Are you just a product to me? Are you something more than that to me? I mean, I mean, everyone points to this, the usual suspects of who we point to in terms of how a brand is more than what they sell. But like, you know, there's a feeling that you could have, that you could create through words and imagery and, and, and content or actions in the world, just things that you do in the world that exemplify what you stand for. But if you don't stand for anything at the core, then you're just empty. And if you're just empty, then I would argue that's what these agencies should have been doing is not try to paint over the emptiness with some razzmatazz, but actually sit down with these clients and be like, what do you really stand for? What is underneath all of this? Because at some point it's going to come out. The, my, cause obviously I'm trying to start an agency and really what this podcast is about is trying to learn from people who know more than me so I can apply it to my own business and be successful. And so you have a lot of interesting ideas about what's wrong with advertising. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm curious what you think of something like this. So one of the biggest problems is, as I see it, is that we have big traditional agencies or creative agencies that are really good sometimes at making that you know, brand message come through. And then you have these media companies or conversion companies that are really good about uh, you know, running a Facebook ad campaign, but the, the creative is shit. And so what I'm curious about is you have clients that are asking for hard numbers and to close the sale and running influencer campaigns and whatever, and they're forgetting about this, this brand part. Is there a way that we can create a new agency that shows that doing the brand stuff leads to more sales, leads to a better result because we have those tools? It, it should be like a good chocolate chip cookie. Every bite has a little bit of chocolate in it. Every time I interface with this brand, there should be a little piece of what this company is about. Some of these, some of these you know, uh, uh, canvases don't really have room for that. A Facebook display ad, you know, at that point, you're really talking about here's how much it is and, and, and here's where you can get and click to get it. That's the best you could hope for in some of those spaces. So I would hope that all the other work that's been done, the goodwill that you've created by treating people with respect, that means talking to them like they're intelligent, putting out products that are you know, uh, uh, um, valuable and mean things to people and, and communicating them that they do and doing all those things, hopefully that when they see that one 
that one uh, 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 call to action, they're ready to actually make that that conversion. But um, but that's that's yeah, that's what I was trying to communicate. You you said it a lot better than I did. But but what I'm saying is right. <laughs> is it just feel it just feels like um people that are like you need to have better creative agencies that are like you, you got to invest more and you got to focus on the brand and making that point i think they're all good points and i think it's very important particularly for bigger businesses that can really infor- afford that invest in that they they aren't being realistic about what the client's asking for it feels like they're they're saying you know this brand work is important but i think in order to convince a client you need to have both. And a lot of a lot of these creative agencies aren't really focused on, you know, is this going to generate leads and mm. sell more product? And but I so think that's fair. I mean, like you don't go to a you don't, you know, Pixar makes the movie. They don't also make the movie poster. Like someone else does that. So the at the traditional agency or the whoever's gonna be directing that brand narrative should be laying out a, a, a an arc and here are all the places that it should exist. And there's not, I mean, it's great if you can bring that all into one house. Uh, but, you know, inevitably a lot of that work, I mean, listen, BBO, BBDO did that. BBDO had some of the best creatives working on AT&T and Greg Hahn and David Lubars and Arturo Aranda and all, all these other great people who were working on it. Um, but there were teams like mine that at, some, at one point were forced to do banner ads. And there isn't really very much you can do in the banner ad. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't do the banner ad. It also doesn't mean that you shouldn't do provocative, intelligent work in the spaces where you can. You know, there should be some some handshake between the two, you know, conceptually and visually, I would hope. Yeah, no. I'm yeah. sorry I'm not more intelligent about the business. I'm not truly in it day-to-day anymore. So I'm, I'm an old man who's a little out of touch, you know. Yeah, well, you know, that's not my impression of you, but um, <laughs> clearly it's your impression of yourself. And that's I'm my not, impression you know, of myself. Yeah, you're, you're very intelligent. Oh, no, thank you. That's very sweet. Yeah, but the real thing I'm trying to get at, uh, Jeff, is you've created this opportunity for yourself. You, you make money you know, doing advertising. You pay the bills that way. You do freelance jobs. You have a strong passion for stand-up, and you're really focused on that. But you've also created space for yourself to do interesting side projects, and those side projects have led to, you know, real career opportunities and, and they built your brand and they probably built someone of a following for you. So would you suggest for people that have time, don't know when the next job is going to come to, um, maybe think about producing one of their own ideas, you know, on the, on the cheap. Without question. I couldn't even, of course. Yeah. Whatever that project is, explore what it is you want to make. And even if it doesn't come out right, I I, I've always learned something even in the failures, even just trying to get something off the ground. And it's really satisfying. I mean, like particularly for people that, you know, are in that situation where all they make in a year is maybe a commercial, but probably just a couple banner. I, like, I mean, it's so frustrating to just watch things die. And so, you know, to have this opportunity, obviously we need money and, you know, whatever, but uh, to have this opportunity to to pursue an idea that you had that is doable and you can do on the cheap and you can get together with your friends in the industry and, and you know, produce it together you know, not only could be lucrative, but it's going to be super satisfying. And well, so, you know, like we, we spend all this time developing other people's brands and answering their briefs, but like take time, especially now during this pandemic to figure out what 
gets you excited? What makes you curious? What things can you act on? Because then you'll have a body of work that's representative of, of your choices and your ideas. And it'll give you the confidence when you've done a few of these and you've done them for a few years to walk in a room and be like, I know this is good, or I believe in this script, or I think you're, that's where I get my confidence from to, 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 to speak up in meetings or to present work that might be uh, uh, challenging because I know it works. I've done it for myself, but I was only able to do that by, by, by actually making stuff that made sense to me. So everyone I think needs to do that for themselves. And when I was relying on the ad agency to give me those opportunities, I was becoming really resentful and angry and, 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 and lonely. But, but I think, you know, I think one of the interesting things is, you know, you're, you're at an advertising agency, your client, unless you're super senior is, and you're the decision maker, your client is your creative director. If you're, you know, a copywriter or ad director or uh, art director, you know, you, you have to please them. And what it does or what it did for me is it made me not think for myself and made me think for them. And by trying to do my own thing, by pursuing, by pursuing my own opportunities, I really found out what I like and I was so out of touch with it. And I, my confidence at my last job, um, you know, it, it was like one of the things I'm good at is like pitching and presenting and, you know, selling and talking. I couldn't speak. Like it was, it was just such a toxic environment that I was in and the creative directors that I was trying to please, it just felt impossible. And, um, you know, all this confidence that I had at the agency before was gone. And then as soon as I, I got laid off from there and as soon as I started my own thing within like a month, I was, I had this confidence back because I was producing work and it was work that I liked and I shared it and I got, you know, people told me it was good. And so I've just really been able to find my voice and it's very satisfying. And if it doesn't lead to to money and then you're going to know yourself, you're going to feel creatively satisfied again by pursuing your own opportunities. But I think it will lead to money because you'll you'll have a body of work that will bring people to you and whether they be other collaborators, collaborators or whether they be clients or agencies, I mean, it, it, the whole reason we're having this discussion is because you gravitated towards some of my work and I and I, so this is proof of it. So you'll do the same thing, hopefully, and, and your listeners will do the same thing. And you'll, you'll, and if you get to do some of them on behalf of a client, that's fantastic. But in the meantime, steal everything you can while you're doing the other work for the clients. Find other people to collaborate with. Learn how to do editing. Watch, at least watch. Watch and learn and, and take as much as you can from this business that gives you exposure to so many touch points in storytelling from filmmakers and directors and editors and musicians and artists, there's so many people that we get access to that the average person would never get to meet at their job. Um, so if you're only in it to make the ads, then I don't know. What was you? Yeah, but, no, I, I'm sorry. You, you like my two suggestions that I'm hearing from you that I agree with is one develop more insecurity, become more insecure, <laughs> light that fire, get motivated. But seriously, um, you know, if you have an idea and you can make it, make it. You can do it yourself. You can get you know with other people. Everybody's starving to have something to do. And if you're jazzed about it, get pumped about it. There's a reason why you think an idea is good. If other yes, people, and you don't it, even even know, you don't even need to know how to make it. You just need to know how to make the next step. Jeff, you have a TED talk, which you know is one of the reasons why I was like, I gotta talk to Jeff because uh, this guy's legit. TEDx He's got it. TEDx. I don't oh, TEDx. Get, I'm so sorry. Don't, don't still, over uh, don't oversell me. It's still it's still hard to get into TEDx. I'm sure, but <laughs> that's all about you know starting without knowing where 
you know, without knowing if you're going to be able to finish it or where it's going to go. Stepping into the unknown. Yeah, step it's a good place to walk. Listen, if there's ever a time to step into the unknown, it's now because everyone else is stepping in there with you. So nobody, anyone who acts like they know what's going on is absolutely full of shit, whether it be your employer or your anybody. So we're all doing the best we can. But what a great time to em, embrace not knowing. And listen, I say this now on a, on a pep talk podcast conversation. There are moments when I'm in absolute despair and I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. And I, I worry about myself financially. I worry about, you know, this is all great to talk about what kind of work you want to do. We could be talking three months from now. I'll be doing whatever you, whatever you cattle prod me to do. You know, I don't know what kind of world we're going to be stepping into, but uh, as much as I can, I'm going to try to keep cultivating the types of connections and work that, that feel right. Um, because I, that's just what's worked in the last decade for me. So we'll see if it gets it through, a, 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 until there's a vaccine. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So if somebody wants to pursue an idea, are you still doing quarantine? Can they hit you up? If someone needs help and they think I can offer something, I'm always down to, to chat for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. All right, Jeff. All right. Thank, thank you, man. You. Thank you for the time. It's great to talk to you. Talk see to you soon. Wow. We did it. That's the show in the bag. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I sure did. I got some nice little nuggets from Jeff. So I want to thank him as a host. I hear that you're supposed to ask people to leave reviews that are positive. If you don't feel positive about it, keep it to yourself. Okay. And yeah, that's it. Hopefully this is enjoyed and I can do it again soon. Till then.